yeah. while we while we wait for Liam to figure yeah. out if his mic is working. Yes, you slag. Oi, Liam, you slag. <laughs> you dirty bastard. You di- oh, you a cheeky Liam, aren't you? <laughs> you cheeky fucker. <laughs> Why did we just turn into the cock destroyers there? <laughs> God, I love those women. I'm being John from Fake Taxi. Oh, yeah. yeah. F- fake Taxi is something... Uh, Justin, do you know about Fake Taxi? It- I'm aware of Fake Taxi, yes. This has to mm. go in if we talk about Fake Taxi. Yeah, it, it, it's I- one, of, one of Britain's only cultural exports, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's, this is cool Britannia now. It's just different kinds of fake taxi, where it's just that, again, a man who looks like he's from the Burnley Secret Service. Um, although I think most, I'm pretty sure mostly the fake taxi drives around South Wales. Yeah. Um, Be like a Bridge for, End Secret Service. Yes. Yeah. Now. Yes. Um, but what I like about the fake taxi most is that, like, it's got such a strange set of layers of storytelling. For example... Mm. If I was to drive a taxi on a movie set as part of a movie, is that a fake taxi? Because it might be a real taxi that was built to be a taxi, well, it's, it, it, but it's, it's in a the simulacrum. Movie. But yeah. obviously, calling calling it simulacrum taxi is going to be a bit like. <laughs> but then, but then, why call it fake taxi? Because in the fictive world, because of it's fake accessible. Taxi, because it's accessible. Because you don't want to have to like preface everything of like a lady getting it in every hole with uh, a thing from Baudrillard. <laughs> Okay, maybe you don't. Mm. Um, but what I'm talking about about fake taxi is that, like, if it, it, the movie Taxi Driver isn't called Fake Taxi Driver, <laughs> it's just called Taxi Driver. Isn't every Uber basically a fake taxi because they're unlicensed? Yeah. Mm. It, mm. I, I would suggest that the French movie series Taxi is far closer to being a fake taxi than Taxi Driver because it has a self-conscious like awareness of its own narrative. But okay, but the thing is, it the way Fake Taxi goes is that there's uh, some attractive woman is standing beside some country road near Bridge End, yeah, and she gets into the car. And then it transpires that she can't or won't pay the fare, mm-hmm. or she knows John. Um, and then they go and do some dogging. Um, and so, if you were to call it fake taxi, it would make sense in the fictive world of fake taxi if that John just bought a taxi and he was never really intending to take anyone anywhere at all. He was just using it to hope to find like impecunious well, women. That, that that would be a fake fake taxi. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why, you know, I, I don't support the fake taxi. I don't think it's a real um, transportation system that we should rely on. I, I prefer the bang bus. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, uh, running, running a train good. Uh, <laughs> fake taxi bad. Yes. Speaking of trains. Speaking of trains. Um, Oh God okay. damn it! <laughs> uh, let, let's 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 call let's call Liam some more British slurs while he figures stuff out. Well, let's make some let's make some up. He won't know the difference. By the yeah, way, I, fancy dadger. I'm recording now. I'm allowed to say all of these because I have a Shire pass. <laughs> <laughs> when you live here for when you live here for more than uh, eight years, uh, the government sends you a, a Shire pass, and it says that you're mm. allowed to do Cockney rhyming slang. <laughs> Right, so let's let's have a butcher's hook at this. <laughs> what what is what is the rhyming slang for a train? I'm oh. gonna Google this. Hold on. Yeah. I, ignore my mechanical there, keyboard. Cockney rhyming slang. There, there, there must certainly be one. Train. Uh, Alan Rain and or John Wayne. John Wayne. Ah, oh, getting on the John. Getting on the John. Right. Let's let's have let's have a butcher's at this John. 
Let's have a butcher's at this, John, and uh, <laughs> give a little chat on the windshield. See, that's weird because John also works in Philadelphia, but for different reasons. Yeah. It's, uh, it, yeah. It's, you have like a vowel shift, so you have a John with a W. This is true, yes. But isn't that just a guy, not a train? No, no. John, no, it can, be, John a can thing. be a thing. It can be a thing. John can be oh. anything. Huh. Be like a descriptor well, that you add to a thing. So you hmm. say, hey, get, get me a cup of that John coffee? No, give me that coffee, John. Huh. Oh, so I'm th that coffee. It's, yeah. it, it, it's a it's a metasyntactic variable, is what you've identified. Yeah, you say, "Give me that, John." Yeah, or you say, "Give me that coffee, John." Both of which refer to the cup of coffee. Mm. The thing which I'm still not over is the southern thing of calling every soda or like every carbonated drink a coke. No, that's deranged. Like, yeah, it's a mind fuck. It's a mind fuck. Absolutely animal brained to be like looking at a bottle of Pepsi and be like, yeah, pass me that coke. But wait, what about like a what about a sparkling water? Oh, is a sparkling water a coke? I don't. We don't have any southerners. It depends on how sharp the bubbles are. <laughs> <laughs> so I see we're still on yeah. that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Riley, have you ever been not on that? No, no, I have not. Right. Um, in fact, I have I have a very nice bottle of Badois waiting for me at home. I'm Ooh. currently in the Trash Future studio, where I have had to have a San Pellegrino, because that's all they have at the nearby Tesco's. How you do, Sapa? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, the nearby Tesco's is not, a, it's not a nice shop, but they do have a rack of sandwiches with some San Pellegrino beside it. Every Tesco has that. <laughs> My local yes. Tesco has that. I don't think, uh, yeah, that, well, that wasn't, it was not ever thus, though. I um, no. Tesco's has gotten considerably nicer in the last five years. I went to the grocery store this morning, and they ran out of cheddar cheese. An outrage. <laughs> An actual outrage. Me me meanwhile, meanwhile, you've just got two British people on your podcast for the first, for the second time, and we're just like, oh, bloody Tesco's in it. <laughs> I bet this feels very satisfying to Alice <laughs> to, mm. to not to not to be, not be the only. Um, I guess I can't say I'm a British person, but yeah. all of my references are British. merged this podcast with Trash Future. Mm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, well, there's your trash. Okay, um, I think we should probably start the podcast, though. Yes, it's time. Because I've been recording for 13 minutes. Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then we just do introductions. Someone was telling us not to do the introductions anymore, and I'm yeah. like... Uh, we're gonna do the opposite of that. Uh, it's probably pretty we've good. We've actually extended the introduction. <laughs> yes, this is all the introduction. My pronouns were this entire exchange. <laughs> you have right. to say the yeah. whole thing every time. <laughs> I'm just running out to get more beer cans to make the beer can noise because that's an essential component of the pronoun. Right. This is being really inconvenient by this point. <laughs> Oh man. Right. Uh hello and welcome to Well There's Your Problem, a podcast that takes a long time to get going. Um <laughs> I, I'm Justin Rosniak. I'm the person who's talking right now. My pronouns are he, him. Uh That's it? That's that's all you had? Okay. Uh Alice done too much already. Alice Caldwell Kelly. <laughs> yeah, my pronouns are she and her. Uh, no one can know that I was trying to learn Cockney rhyming slang <laughs> earlier and calling Liam slurs. Uh, and I'm also on a podcast called Trash Future, from which I bring a guest, Riley Hello. Quinn. Hi, it's me, Riley. You may remember me from the bonus episode, or from Trash Future. Um, my pronouns are also uh, he and him, uh, and... I, can't, I think I might have raised this question in a previous episode that got deleted by computer gremlins, but 
But I wonder why we say both. Why why we say both he and him? Because usually yeah. one person, you wouldn't be like, my pronouns are he and her. Be like, what? That'd be very confusing. Yeah. I, I think it's because if you have like one of the non-standard ones, like Z and Z, then it, it lets you know how it like works as a part of grammar. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Fair but enough. You don't you don't, you, you don't see that as often anymore. It's it's unfashionable now. Went out of style. Yeah, it's like twenty three skidoo. Yep. Yeah. My my pronouns are twenty three and skidoo. <laughs> Joe Biden. <laughs> that's the, at least three, baby. That's the third gender. <laughs> <laughs> Last, I am Liam Anderson. I am at Old Man Anderson on Twitter. Thanks to everyone who's enjoyed the van episode. I really had fun making that, uh, as well as. Uh, I made the mistake of searching our podcast, uh, and people do not like it on Reddit, but uh, fuck them, so uh, continue. Don't we have a subreddit or something now? Never go on Reddit. As far as, yeah, never go on Reddit. Uh, but yeah, they were just like, these three uh. are annoying, and it's like, well, uh, I don't know what to do about that. Don't yeah. listen to it, I guess. Hey, fuck you too, buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Suck a dick. Hey, whoa. <laughs> I'm podcasting over here. Oh, my pronouns are he, him, if I didn't say that. Oh, oh, right, yeah, you need to say yeah. that. All right, so, uh, t today you can see in front of you... We're, um, we're having a butchers at this John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoying this call on the windshield, innit? <laughs> I, I guess, I, I, sorry, I suppose people should, should know that I've spent my entire adult life in Britain, I just have a disappointing accent. <laughs> It's that's me with Scottish accents, but yeah. So you you, you can see this very high tech, streamlined uh, train in front of you. You notice it's rotting in a siding. I can tell it's high tech because it's beige. Yeah, I I just assumed that it was just British. Like it just has that glare of grime over it that everything gets here. Oh, that is true. This looks like every train that doesn't go to or from London. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like this just this could this could still very well be in service on one of the, like the rail lines that goes from like Manchester to South Wales. And and you know it, it very well could have been if events hadn't intervened. They were going to talk about the British Rail. Advanced passenger train. Oh, that sounds like some some like eighties or early nineties shit. Well, it was supposed mm. to be earlier than that. Yeah, back it up. We're about to get into mm -hmm. it, right? But first, let's sort of talk about uh, the main corridors on the British railroad network, right? So, what mm. we're going to talk about here is is what's called the West Coast Main Line, right? You see. It's in it's in black. Left coast, best coast. Incorrect. It is, it is, it is among my least. It is among honestly like my my least favorite lines because it takes a very long time to get anywhere. Plus, it leaves from Euston Station in London, which sucks. Mm, yeah, love love to be on one end of this, just way yeah. out <laughs> at it, and have like getting to London takes six hours with two stops because the train explodes, uh, <laughs> and it, and it gets you to a station that no one uses and no one likes. It's awesome. Yeah. Everyone hates that one, right beside the one that is very nice. Naturally. Mm -hmm. but crucially, not that one. So, yeah, so the West Coast Main Line goes from London to Glasgow, and it's, you know, as opposed to the East Coast Main Line, which is in blue on the other side here, um, you know, the West Coast Main Line is the slower one, right? It has a lot of mixed traffic. It winds around a lot. It's about 399 miles long. Uh, if you're American... It's sort of a similar length to the Northeast Corridor between Washington, D.C. and Boston. And it only links the five biggest cities in the UK by population. 
Uh, Much like the Northeast Corridor. L- London, Birmingham, yeah, Liverpool, Manchester, and Glasgow. Uh, uh, each, like, not as big as London, but like, Glasgow is a million people, give or take. And Whereas, like, York, uh, on, on this diagram, like, it, it's, it's, it's labeled like a city, but York is, like, only a city because of some technical medieval, like, jurisprudence, because it has a cathedral. It's a town. Yeah, it has a big yeah. church and a nice railway museum and nothing else. I've been there. Yeah, it's a town of some thousands of people. Great town, though. Yes. I like York. All right, so back in the day, in the steam era, right, there's a lot of competition between the private railroads that operated these lines, right? There's this thing called the Race to the North, right? Between uh, a train mm-hmm. called the Coronation Scott, which is here, right? And looking very sexy and streamlined. And the Flying Scotsman here. Uh, the Flying Scotsman was the name of the train. There's also a locomotive called the Flying Scotsman, which is not this one. This is a Grizzly A4, same class as the Mallard, which is the fastest steam locomotive, right? Um, allegedly. Allegedly the fastest. Allegedly, allegedly, yes. I and mean, there's some <laughs> some apocryphal <laughs> some apocryphal stories. Of the Pennsylvania Railroad T ones hitting 150 miles an hour, but they did not equip their locomotives with speedometers because they were cheap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we have we have a game of like railway empire or something or like railroad tycoon going on here between two uh, two steam locomotive yeah. companies. At at it, at its best, uh, the Coronation Scott schedule from London to Glasgow was six hours and thirty minutes on the West Coast Main Line. Wow, it hasn't got much better, has it? For my goodness, no. For comparison, that's the same schedule that the um, the Amtrak Acela makes between uh, Washington D.C. and Boston. So uh, this train is faster than America's fastest train today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad that, like, Britain, a dismal country where we do everything wrong, is still outclassing America because your railroads are so bad. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're pretty brutal. It's it's very funny that a, a train where an integral component is a guy with a shovel <laughs> is able to outclass yeah. your best train. Well, that's because you, you never invented, like, all the advanced steam locomotive functions we had in the United States. No automatic stokers, no, um, not Coward. a lot of superheating, I don't think. Uh, we, we managed mm. to get rid of the guy with the shovel. I mean, he was still there to sort of shove the coal around in the firebox, but he didn't actually have to mm. shovel it in. Yeah. It just sounds like you're trying to automate someone's job away, Elon Musk. Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we were doing fully automated luxury communism. Yeah, like, it, was the, the, the Elon, it was the Elon Musk of his day, like, invented the, like, up the, the, Workingmanless steam engine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hate when I have to get my Prius repaired because the guy with the shovel just shoveling <laughs> batteries into it just like falls down from exhaustion. Um. Now that was back in the day. Um. Eventually, we get to the 1950s, right? Uh, the 1955 uh, modernization plan after British Rail nationalizes all the railroads. Um. Hmm. So, you know, you had the beaching acts, of course, where a lot of lines were cut, and then there was sort of the half-assed implementation of the second half of the beaching acts, which was massive investment in the railroads, uh, railways, which still existed, right? And again, this was, this was not done as thoroughly, because it cost money. That sure looks thorough. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so there's a bunch, of, a bunch of stuff that happened during uh, modernization, right? They got rid of the steam locomotives, a lot of them prematurely. 
which meant they had to order a lot of diesel yeah. locomotives really quickly. The, they were still building them. They were still building the star-class locomotives right up until uh, British Rail decided, yeah, just, just scrap these as you finish building them. Exactly. Um, so, because they needed to order so many diesel locomotives so quickly, they bought them from like 17 different manufacturers to 45 different designs, about half of which worked. <laughs> Yeah, just that, that that efficiency we love to see. Yeah, it was like, uh, well, you know, we can make a diesel locomotive, says a man with the hammer in a shed, and they're like, all right, <laughs> build us 400 of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they also sort of renewed rolling stock, right? They electrified a lot of lines, including the West Coast main line, which you can see here. Um, they increased speeds to 110 miles an hour on the West Coast main line. Uh, they modernized some stations, that's why... You know, Houston Arch was demolished because they said, well, you know, we need to prove the railway is modern. We should demolish this Greco-Roman edifice and put up a glass cube. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, that's why everyone loves Houston Station now. Yeah. yeah, because everyone gets to go to Houston Station and then turn to the person they're with and say, is it about my cube? <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you seen the shit they're trying to do with... Uh with Gardunor. Your station has been crushed into a cube. <laughs> <laughs> the, the shit they're trying to do with Gardunor in Paris, where they're turning it into like uh, a, a sort of like monument to transport in the abstract that's also a mall. Well, that's because every train station is a mall now with a sort of ancillary um, vestigial uh, railway mm. use. Not Houston. Houston defies all all even just pretensions to being anything but a place that gives you the finger <laughs> at least a, at least a mall tries to be accommodating it was like the, the train the, the station that the train we're talking about today originates in is a hateful place like it is it's built in order to create crowd crush for some reason, um, the only places you can go buy like a water before you get on your train, the queue goes out into the very narrow area that all of the platforms go from. And all of the ceilings are for some reason like two meters high. It's kind of like Penn Station. M modernism mm. works. It's, it's it, very bad. It's London's Penn Station. <laughs> it's, it's horrifying. I, enough about the station out of me. So uh, after modernization, after they electrified the West Coast Main Line, which took up until... Like, I think the early 70s, late 60s, uh, you could get from London to Glasgow in five hours on certain limited stop trains. They're improving the schedule, right? Of course, in practice, it still takes like eight, but it always did. Yeah, unless you want to like really, you know, pay out the wazoo for the fast train. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even then, like the, the, the one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is trying to build something without it spending any money on the infrastructure underneath it. And that's always what British railways have been like. You'll get these like nice fast trains, and then the signals just break because they're made out of like uh, old cheese wire. <laughs> now, around this time, the same era, the uh, Japanese had just deployed the Shinkansen, right in 1964. Now, mm -hmm. the Shinkansen sort of sets off an international panic, right? Because, you know, it had only been 15 years earlier that we were bombing the shit out of Japan, right? And now they suddenly had high-speed trains out of nowhere. Well, you could build fast tracks real good when your whole country's been leveled, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all of Europe had been leveled, too, and they didn't they, build fast tracks. <laughs> part of them did. <laughs> well, no, because the uh, other high-speed trains were reactions to this, right? So, of course, mm -hmm. the French uh, deploy... 
the TGV001, the test train, right? Yes. They start. <laughs> that is a sexy booklet. That is orange. <laughs> yeah, it looks cool as hell. This was the, the first one was gas turbine powered. Goddamn. Huh. Yeah, so um, they started testing it in 1972, full service in 1981 after they switched from gas turbine power to electric power. This is one of the reasons why there was a wide deployment of nuclear power in France. France, Liam's going to yell at me. France. Um, <laughs> was because to power the new TGV system. Um, in testing, this, mm, this gas turbine train hit 190 miles an hour. So, I mean, obviously they didn't want to do the German route of just being like having the extremely fast train just powered by essentially a guy shoveling coal into the back of it, but with more steps. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, he's, he's, he's shoveling coal into a, into a furnace way back instead of actually on the train. It's also, uh, there's also a reaction in America, right? The, uh, Lyndon Johnson passed the High Speed Ground Transportation Act, which produced this depressing thing called the Metro Liner. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. I like this. Oh my goodness. Did they know what a wind tunnel was? Nope. Now, the funny thing is, the basic car body for this uh, is is the Amfleet car that Amtrak uses today. In fact, some of these are still in use as cab cars. They're 60 years old. <laughs> I'm just picturing this giant fucking wedge of like aluminum, aluminium, if you prefer, just hitting air at however many miles an hour. Yeah, I've been on it. I've been on it doing that. <laughs> <laughs> is is this as good as that would like lead you to believe? Well, it's very heavy, so you don't notice. <laughs> ah, okay. so this uh, this train hit 164 miles an hour uh, once. <laughs> That's more than zero times, man. As it was going through Princeton Junction, um, the the wind blew out all the windows on a commuter train on the next track. They should just let them keep doing that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we just have open air cars now. <laughs> yeah, you like open vestibules. Now you're gonna get them by force. <laughs> yeah. This is what seems like it should be the Soviet answer. Just, yes, we build it very, very heavy and very fast, and it is it aerodynamic? No. Uh, no we'll get to that. Well, <laughs> we're about we to get to that. Oh, good. Um, well, this was by far the most successful thing to come out of the High Speed Ground Transportation Act, because the Pennsylvania Railroad commissioned this. You can see we got the old Pennsylvania Railroad keystone on this. Uh, by the time these were delivered, it was Penn Central, and that was when the misery started. We'll do an episode on that at some point. Um, Ooh. but the New York Central Railroad also tried to get some of that sweet, sweet grant money, and <laughs> they invented this. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like this one. Okay. All right. Yo, what's up? Yo, yo, okay. This puts me in mind, as I'm sure you know, Justin, this puts me in mind of that show Super Train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was the train from Super Train. Yes, of course. This was the M497 Black Beetle. There's a video of this going on YouTube. Hell of a name. Right? And they they used it for mm. exactly one test run where it hit 170 or yeah, 174 miles an hour or so on shitty jointed rail in Ohio. Jesus. You know, the rumors of course were that, you know, it it got air on uh railroad crossings. Um <laughs> this is a jet engine off a B36. <laughs> the, the Liberator? Or am I misremembering? Uh, I don't know my aircraft well. It's the one with the, the jet engines, but also the propellers. Six turn and four burning. Yes. Really tough on here. That's incredible. Important to note that not to be outdone, 
Uh, the Soviets also made one. Of course. Uh, yeah, that's that's fucking awesome. Do they have the jet engine on backwards? I think that's just how they designed the fairings. Yeah. That, that would be very funny. Yeah, it, it, it can do 190 miles an hour one way. Yeah. The other way, it's just a guy pushing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's jet engine one way, the guy with the shovel the other way, but it's because of imperialism. <laughs> Oh, look at look at the fucking like, just like regular Yegorov coach <laughs> uh, that they've built around. That's beautiful. Yeah, I really like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And also, imagine imagine sitting in that when the jet engine turns on. Mm. Well, the uh, the 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 New York Central car is the same. That's a Bud uh, rail diesel car. You know, think of it like a nicer pacer, <laughs> right? Um. <laughs> we should put jet engines on pacers. That's the only logical conclusion from this. We actually will do a little tangent into pacers in a second. Oh no. Oh yes. <laughs> so um, while while you know the French are being very serious and the Americans are doing publicity stunts um, in Britain, of course, we have to talk about the British Rail Research Division, right? Mm, look at all that high future right there. This is so Britain. <laughs> this is what the venture compound would look like if it had been funded. By British Rail. <laughs> Oi, Ank and D, you fucking shags. <laughs> <laughs> the world of tomorrow. Um, what it reminds me just of, um, like, cause the thing about Britain also, one of the many things about this sceptered isle is that, like, we, we feel this need to, to really label the shit out of everything. And so, like, for example, British gas isn't just British gas. It's British gas looking after your world. Or, you know... Um, I don't like that. <laughs> Thames water bringing you water. <laughs> like, it's just, it's all very overdone. Mm -hmm. And this speaks to a previous era in Britain where they just put the name on the thing. Yeah. Research, you slag. Oh, it's the fucking research department. Yeah. All right, so the British Rail Research Division uh, primarily came from the staff of the, the previous London, Midland, and Scotland Railway. That's the ones who ran the Coronation Scotland before. Uh, their scientific research laboratory, right? This MF said research. Yeah, yes, I did say research. <laughs> research. This is worse than anagalus last time. <laughs> Look, I, I, I can't say words. It's okay, we forgive you. Uh, you know, you know. The worst thing is that in the in the notes you have research spelled correctly, and then you call it a laboratory. <laughs> ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, I'm 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 a dumb person. This is a dumb person podcast. All right. <laughs> so again, this is one of the few well-funded railway research centers to ever exist. Um, that are able to conduct what we call basic research. Right? Basic research is like research that may not have any immediately applicable uh, commercial applications. Right? They can just do research for the hell of it. See if it goes anywhere. Right? So you know, this is um, and and what I'm showing here is the. I think called Old Darby Test Track. Um, this isn't the main facility because mm -hmm. I couldn't find any free photos of it. Um, I'm I'm sure it looked exactly like this. Possibly a bigger shed. Yeah, and also it probably had you know less modern catenary equipment. You know, uh, so <laughs> yeah. you know, but think you know, lots of guys in white coats and they got beakers and chemicals. You know, it's that sort of operation. Um, mm. One of their first big projects was to study something called hunting oscillation, right? That's where, as trains get faster, the wheels start to wobble, right? And they start mm -hmm. to hunt for equilibrium on the rail, right? So they start to become more unstable as they go faster. And for that, they hired a guy named Alan Wicken, 
who was a former aerospace engineer, and he determined this was to be this was something similar to aeroelastic fluttering on an airplane, right? Uh, Alan Wicken is he like doing spells in his off hours? I probably. That's that's what engineering mm. is. Because it's close to Alan Rickman. That's the joke, Raz. Uh, oh, I see. I see. Mm. But that that wasn't the no. Was it not? No, my joke was, was that he Wiccan. was a Wiccan. Oh, whatever. Good yeah. enough. The, because his name is is Wiccan, and so it sounds like Wiccan. Yeah, he's getting naked and you know doing a spell of binding on what Ted Heath, who would have been PM <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. S- summer is a coming in. No, he did the spell wrong and created the pacer. Oh no, no. he <laughs> motherfucker. No, so he that that led to the development of what was called the high speed freight vehicle which they tested at speeds up to 140 miles an hour, and that later became the frame of the Pacer. Which no- notably did not have a maximum speed of 140 miles an hour. No, but it, it did ride slightly better than, than it otherwise would have. <laughs> I, I love to take a train in like a, a, a repurposed coal car. That's awesome to me. Yes. Uh, so this guy was serving the left-hand path, clearly. He was a dark mage. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, British Rail's doing marketing studies and like, hmm, higher speed trains might allow them to compete with road transportation, right? Which was also nationalized. We, we nationalized a bunch of uh, truck companies into British roads. Oh, God. Did we? We did. We did. Oh. You, can, you can look it up. You can see they had a very nice livery and everything. I thought that was only for a brief period of time, though. It, it, it was for a brief period, but that period was enough investment to between that and the construction of motorways, which also started around this time, to uh, provide trucks that like did the logistics stuff that you now couldn't do because all of the branch lines had been closed. Oh, oh, that that sounds really productive. Yeah, because because Britain's is Britain's a small country, so you can have a truck that just goes and replicates the route of that branch line instead of like. Uh, moving everything by rail to one place and then getting the truck to do the last little bit of distance. So it kind of works at the cost of fun stuff like trains, and instead you get dumb stuff like trucks. Yes. An anti-truck podcast. Ignore my 2,000 hours in Euro Truck Simulator, (laughs) that isn't real. Alright, so this sort of leads to development of the Advanced Passenger Train Program. So British Rail didn't want to invest in new main lines, especially after they closed all those branch lines and they, you know, didn't have the money to actually do the investment part they said they were going to do. So they want to get the most out of their existing infrastructure. Right. So they sort of introduce a new concept of the active tilting train, right? There were passive tilting trains before, but they were, they had a bunch of problems and they, you know, they tended to like sway on their own at low speeds, just randomly. (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, that's good. That's, that's relaxing. I like to do that. Yeah. So the idea behind tilting train is you can go around uh, corners that exist currently at higher speeds while still maintaining passenger comfort, right? I mean, you can go very fast mm-hmm. on most railways, um, but you exceed, you know, passenger comfort tolerances, right? Yeah. So instead of just telling passengers to sack up <laughs> and like, because I, I absolutely would get the like Deltic hauled uh, 1960s service from London to Glasgow that is just flooring it the whole <laughs> way through on the basis that, well, we've done the studies and we know it won't derail, but you will feel like you're going to die for like four hours. That's not even that big a deal. Yeah, I'd, I'd ride it just to ride behind a Deltic. Those are cool. Like those opposed, distant, opposed piston engines. Yeah, I felt dumb when I found out that Deltic just means having the form of the letter Delta. 
because I was like, why is it called that for years? And I never thought to look it up. And then I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. Okay. Oh, bother. <laughs> oh, well, you know how the, the cylinders were arranged in the engine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a Delta. triangle. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's weird. It's cool as hell. We'll, mm. we'll, have, we'll talk about the Deltic later, I guess. Every triangle is a love triangle when you love triangles. Except we can't we can't <laughs> talk about the Deltic because it's an engineering success. Damn. <laughs> yes, that 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 will be episode two of Well There Isn't Your Problem after the L ten eleven. Yeah, exactly. So um so the advanced passenger train would be the first active tilt train, right? And they were gonna achieve nine degrees of tilt. That's what their data told them that they could uh they, they should go for. That's more than what's allowed for by um conventional super elevation. Super elevation being when you raise one side of the rail up a couple inches to achieve, you know, it's the same as banking, I guess. So when you say active tilt, you mean that it, like, the car moves to an angle, like how? How does it do that? Uh, hydraulics. Mm. Ah. Ah, I see nothing with this going wrong yes. ever. So, <laughs> okay, for this next bit, we have to do something annoying, because I don't want to get a copyright strike, but I still want to play this. So if you're listening, what you should do is go down and look at the link in the description. Oh my god. <laughs> which I'm going to put. And we're going to and then you can watch this video and then we'll be back afterwards momentarily and and we'll talk about it, right? Yeah. Although when when you do come back we're going to have to reintroduce ourselves and do the pronouns oh, yes. again. Mm -hmm. I I forgot what my joke answer was, so thank you for yeah. that. Okay. Okay. Anyway, let's 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 roll the clip that you're gonna have to roll yourself manually. <laughs> mm. You are the grand Congratulations student. on all yeah. your success. How, how do I make this go? Oh, oh boy. Oh there we are. All right. Can everyone hear it? No, uh, no. I cannot. No. Uh, this is I fine. Just, I, 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 I can I just like see the it. Yeah, I can see the very ugly train. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the super train theme music over it. I'm just gonna like rattle my desk so I can get the full effect. <laughs> oh, cool! Switchboard, train switchboard, yeah. sweet. Uh, the music is excellent. That's that's the only thing which is frustrating. They they they, they had some dubstep, I guess. Like when they still gave train drivers hats oh, yeah. and like a absolutely no high vis, but you get a you get a little cap that's very neat. Uh, personally, I like all of the colored buttons. It looks like the Death Star in the early Star Wars oh, yeah. movies, and y until yes, uh, and and one of the thing, one of the when I knew I had become Chris an adult <laughs> was when uh, uh, when I knew I knew I had become an adult when I realized that that's just not how every sort of large machine worked um yeah you don't get yeah. a lot of colored buttons no it's a shame yeah it's a real shame cry and shame hmm so you're still watching this train oh, huh well no no it's <laughs> over <laughs> it's over that's uh, I, I should i should get that as a drop for when i do when i stream train simulators how do i go to the next slide what all right so now and what are you are, do you just want to have like the people who watch you on twitch be able to do that as an emote Yes, yes, I want them to be able to be like, 
still watching the train, huh? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, um, all right, we're back. Um, and uh, I, I hope you all appreciated the video that I haven't been able to include because I don't want to get a copyright strike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we can see here the APTE, right? It's the Advanced mm. Passenger Train Experimental. So this was the first design, not designed to carry passengers. It's just a test platform, right? Yeah, and it looks like someone has stretched a welding mask. I mean, that's just... kind of what they did. <laughs> <laughs> no. I hate when I do this. I lay the heaven stuff enough on the other podcasts. <laughs> so this was built in 1972 off of, uh, you know, they sort of, they were working off of the high-speed freight vehicle. Um, you know, and they eventually lengthened it. They added bogies, um, and they uh, those are the those are the wheel assemblies. Um, and uh, you know, it has, of course, a face only a mother can love. Oh, um, <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> this uh, this small window here uh, is made out of super reinforced glass, the same stuff they used on the Concorde. You know, in order to withstand a kid throwing a rock at it at 150 miles an hour. <laughs> which which our kids absolutely would yeah. do. Well, I, it's surprising how much of railway design is based on withstanding kids throwing rocks at trains. Quite a bit, as it turns out. Mm. Yeah. Well, like it, k kids in like 1972 are today's boomers. So <laughs> yeah, I think I think that definitely would have been the mindset. Yeah. You're th throwing rocks at trains on the basis that later they're gonna want to get a Ute. <laughs> 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 Rack off me fucking hypothetical Ute, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> just just uh, just throwing rocks at trains with the understanding that they're like awful lefty kids would be triggered by this in some yeah, years. I can't, I can't, I can't vote against, uh, I can't vote against funding railways, but I can certainly throw rocks at them. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. So did this actually work? Like, if you hucked a rock at this thing going 150 miles an hour, it would just like bounce off? I assume so. I don't know if it ever got hit by a rock. Huh. But so this was largely designed by aerospace engineers, right? Um, it had sort of a space frame off a helicopter, and then there was a cosmetic skin over that. And um, it was powered by four 300 horsepower Rolls Royce gas turbine engines with a, a fifth for auxiliary power for, you know, lights and stuff. And mm -hmm. then one feature, which the research team did, you know, because they thought it was a test platform, you know, we don't have to worry so much. There was a single seat in the cab, right? In there. Oh boy. Fatal slip. One seat in the cab and there's a jump seat behind it, right? So it was immediately, after its first test run, it was immediately blackballed by the Associated Society of Locomotive Engineers and Firemen <laughs> nice. for the suggestion <laughs> that one-man crews were okay, even on a test train. Yes. We, we stand yeah. as left. <laughs> <laughs> Just just to be like, yeah, well, fuck you. If you don't have the 16 different seats for the 16 people that we require to operate yeah, <laughs> to operate one train. So they ran it once on a test run, right? And they brought it back, and it, it's, it was put in a siding, right? And, and then what happened to it? No locomotive crew would touch the, uh, would touch the train, <laughs> right? Because they weren't scabs. Yeah, exactly. They they just inflated a big scabby the rat next to the side. And and so the design team was pretty relieved about this. Uh, the APT design team, which was headed by, uh, I believe, headed by Alan Wicken, who we talked about earlier, because they're like, okay, we do need some more time to make modifications. Let's uh, let's um, you know, 
let's let's worry about that now, right? Instead of testing the train everywhere. <laughs> note 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 the man in the white coat here showing that it's scientific. <laughs> <laughs> white coat and a mullet. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have a frock, so we can't take it seriously. The coal yeah. shoveler retrained. Yeah. Now he wears a white coat and looks at a clipboard. Yeah. You know, I can't see in enough detail, but somehow I know in my bones that that man has a mustache. Yeah. That's a legal requirement. Just like kind of a droopy one, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone in Britain in the 1970s looked like a swinger. Like the entire, the entire country was a key party. That's why everyone looks so weird. Yeah, that's also why they went on strike, because you don't want to, like, narrow the polycule. Mm. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right, so the the issue was that now they had this prototype test train, right, which was on a siding across the main line from the shed where they could work on it, and no one would move the train. <laughs> <laughs> I love labor organization so much, you guys. <laughs> you think it's ironic, but I'm really not being at all. Like I'm 100% sincere. <laughs> that is the kind of dumb guy energy that we're going to need to displace capital. <laughs> so, so they eventually found a manager who said, all right, I'll help you move the train. They moved it in the dead of night. Scab, 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 scab. Yeah, fuck that guy. They moved it across the main line in the dead of night into the workshop. <laughs> And the result next day was a one-day complete shutdown of British Rail. Good. <laughs> Owned. <laughs> which uh, dwarf the cost of which dwarfed the entire budget of the entire APT program over its lifetime. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> You'll fuck around and find out, though. Bellissima. Just kissing my fingertips. Oh, uh, that's so satisfying. You know, you know the thing, right? Whenever French workers are just like, oh, you know, we'll go on strike, and the firefighters will like, we'll set ourselves on fire and then fist fight the riot cops. Every time, there's a bunch of British people who are like, why doesn't our protest culture look like that? It used to. This is press-esque to go back. This is what we could have had. We could have had a one-day strike because they didn't put in two chairs. A one-day strike because a guy moved a train. An injury to one is an injury to all. It's just that one and all are the same thing here. The injury in this case is like you like crack your shin on a coffee table kind of thing. It hurts, man. <laughs> so, anyway, this is a test platform, right? Never ran in passenger service. Um, it hit 152.3 miles an hour on the 10th of August, 1975, between Swindon and Reading. Two, two places where you don't want to go either to or from. Aww. Yes. Other than uh, causing a one-day strike, um, it was very successful at its job of being a test platform for the concept of a tilting train, an active tilting train. And another thing is... Over its lifetime, it covered 23,500 miles in testing. Now, compare that to the TGV-001, which covered, I think, 200,000 miles in testing. Mm. Oh, damn. You know, so maybe they didn't test this as thoroughly as they should have. But again, we're operating on a shoestring budget. Yeah, a shoestring budget in a slapstick country. Yes, <laughs> where it's it's just like yeah, m moving, m m taking the boot off of my train <laughs> results in like major industrial action. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's very interesting that um that that we we had to what basically get every single person involved in this is the three stooges <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you you can't actually see it but this guy um is about to get hit i'm pointing with my finger at the computer uh justin can you highlight the man with your laser oh, pointer oh, oh oh yeah yeah so this guy, this guy. 
Uh, this guy here, he's about to get hit in the nuts from Curly, who's actually hiding just under the wheel. Here, Justin, if you can illustrate the trajectory for me. Curly is actually going to flick an olive pit, and it's going to go directly into his nuts. And you can see the shadow coming out from underneath the train under the nose here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and this is well. This is interesting. This is the kind of, of protest culture we do need to yeah. get back. Like, for example, when, when we're carrying our placards, we should be carrying them on long two by fours over our shoulders, and then we can say, "What do we want?" And then we can say to turn the cover the country to turn left, and we all turn left, and then everyone gets knocked unconscious in a perfect line stretching across the country. And that's the kind of solidarity we need to get back. Uh-huh. Gun is solidarity unionism. Gun is business unionism. I'm here for slapstick unionism. <laughs> I, I feel like Scabby the Rat is the first step towards that city on the hill. <laughs> Just having a giant inflatable rats that you bring to places. Staring at you in the face. Yeah, all seven of mm. them. To shame them, yes. Uh, near Washington Square in Philly, just in a nice little line. <laughs> Oh, it's a polycule. Imagining you're waking up one day and you need to get to work and you find out that like Network Southeast is on strike because someone moved a train in <laughs> in, in like fucking where was this? This is uh somewhere in the north of England, I think. They moved a train 150 feet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, generally successful test platform. Um, now we have to talk about the prototype, right? So the original order was they were gonna they were gonna order ten trains for sort of prototype uh, revenue service on the West Coast Main Line by 1976, right? Uh, the project had started in like 1968, I think, if I remember correctly, right? Mm. So there's there's a lot of unconventional design elements on this train beyond the fact that it tilts, okay? So they switch it to electric power because the West Coast Main Line was electrified, um, you know, and the energy crisis was happening, so, you know, gas was expensive, um, which caused some problems because the West Coast Main Line's catenary system, that's the overhead electric wires, was not a, a modern system. Oh, of no, course not. No. That costs money. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the older kind before we had constant tension catenary. Uh, it's actually the same kind that's used on the Northeast Corridor today. Um, so this older system produced large oscillations in the wires if a train ran at over 120 miles an hour, right? Oh, good. So hmm. that meant if you had the, the pantograph, pantograph is that bit on top of the train that goes up like this and contacts the wire. Right. Um, if the pantograph was on both ends of the train, like, you know, this front car was the locomotive. Right. Um, it, it would create oscillate front pantograph would create oscillations that would, you know, wave down the catenary. Right. And, and then it would destroy the pantograph on the, the trailing locomotive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they should have just run with that, to be honest. Die, die, die. <laughs> Like a single-use train. Yeah, you you just you run it once, and the like the back pantograph explodes. You like replace it when you want to. You change it out when you want to go back in the opposite direction. Yo, that that's how you're gonna get conservatives to start loving trains. Is you just that's make them single-use, so it triggers the greens. Yeah, you get a you get a, a single train ride out of it only, and you get an explosion. One solution mm. to this, which was proposed, would be to run a cable 
the full length of the train to the front, right? And run the rear oh, yeah. pantograph. Uh, and then, you know... I read about this. Then you can run 22,000 volts the full length of the train, right? Oh, Jesus Christ. You know? Yeah. Pe pe people got very nervous about having a 22,000 volt cable just under where the passengers were, for some reason. Uh, to which I say this is the crisis in masculinity that we're experiencing. Uh, they were all triggered, they were all cucks, they were all owned. <laughs> And that they should have done that. We used to fill lamps full of like gas to like uh, make sure people could see. Why not? Yeah, getting on the train used to almost guarantee give you cancer, and now they're like, oh no, I'm gonna get electrocuted to death. Well, luck luckily, yeah. masculinity won out because that's standard practice now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but their solution was okay, okay. Since we don't want to trigger anyone, we're gonna put the power car in the middle. Right here, you can see this car with no windows in it, right? Uh, oh, good. Which, which to, <laughs> to be clear, is full of transformers and gigantic engines, right? Well, one thing they did is they slung the transformer on the bottom underneath the car to lower the center of gravity, mm. and then all the traction motors are mounted higher than they usually would to reduce the amount of unsprung weight and therefore reduce the amount of wear on the track, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Right? So that's a, that's a new unconventional design, extremely unconventional, in fact. Um, what else did they do? Everything's made of aluminum. Well, hold 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 up a second. This so the power car. That's just to be clear. That is full of like stuff that does engineering to make the train yes. go. And in order to like, so if you want to get from this car here, I, yeah. I'm doing right, Riley's right, maybe right do the thing here. where I point with my finger. <laughs> I'm assuming you're saying yeah. And you want to go back here? Yes. Oh. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. You have to walk through a little, like, gangway, I'm assuming? Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, please. So, actually, that's the next thing I was going to say. Well, okay, oh. there was a passageway. Passengers and crew were not mm -hmm. allowed in it in normal operation, or at least the, 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 the crew that, you know, other than, like, you know, qualified engineering personnel or whatever, you know? So... Mm -hmm. The, like, passenger service crew, I guess. Yeah, exactly. What they, what they did was... They had two entirely full, fully separate trains on each end of the to two power cars, right? Because an ordinary train would run with two power cars, two full sets. So there were two restaurant cars, there were two first class cabins, there's two of everything. There were two crews required to run this one train. Oh, this is yeah. fine. I mean, this must have made Aslef very happy, at least. Yes. Yeah. I mean, to be to be fair, like that's excellent for workers. They're they're compensating for the test train. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you fucked around and moving that shit a hundred and fifty feet. Now it's time to hire two crews per train. Bet you won't do that shit again. <laughs> Plus, plus, anytime we want, we get to get our union brother, Curly, to, to go and replace one of the Transformers with an organ. <laughs> Just blasting through crew station at 150 miles an hour, playing a Wurlitzer with a Doppler effect on it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the slapstick labor movement is this episode's Pennsylvania Secret Service. Absolutely. <laughs> So another thing is because they didn't want to update the signaling system for this, they needed a special braking system because the design speed was 155 miles an hour and they needed to stop in the same distance of the train going 80 miles an hour could. So they designed 
what were called hydrokinetic brakes. That sounds sick as hell. Hmm. You just have a bunch of pressurized water in there? Basically, yeah, you have like a turbine. Oh, good, another engine. <laughs> yeah, well... This is why many engine train. No, it's the reverse of that, because it's, it's like yeah, sorry, a water yes. turbine. Uh -huh. So it sort of sloshes water around in that turbine housing, uh, and that, you know, converts the energy of the train's motion into the motion of the water and also heat. J Justin, may I ask you a question? Yes. It seems as though this train is trying to solve a relatively simple problem, but is doing it in the most overcomplicated, solving, um, sort of solving problems that create new problems way possible. Is that what's going on here? Yes. Yeah, that seems to be a theme. <laughs> okay, good. Just wanted to be sure we were on the same page. So another problem with it going 155 miles an hour as the design speed is that is too fast for the driver to read signals and speed limits, right? And just get better drivers. Just like... Oh, God, I, I bet they did something incredibly stupid for that as well, like put <laughs> yeah, every we, we, single on a... We've created RoboDriver. <laughs> uh, we have implanted a bunch of 1970s electronics into no. his eyes. <laughs> no, Alice, 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 that is far too reasonable. Based on what they've done so far with this train, I'm imagining what they've done is like... But you know those... Um, they they've created an effect where they have like like a kilometer long signal and then they just do one very long signal on it so you have a whole kilometer to register and interpret it just just g gigantic long thin signs up and down the track yeah you just make the speed limit signs bigger you just get a mile tall speed limit sign you can just see it coming this was actually the only investment in fixed infrastructure they really did to accommodate the train is that they installed radio transponders at the side of the tracks, and then there was a little 1970s display in the cab, which would tell you the speed limit and the signal aspects. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a, like a, a flip thing like you have in airport displays, but it was close. It was like a rotating dial <laughs> yeah. that had like numbers on it. Yeah, it made like a little mechanical ding noise when, when, it, when it changed. Yes, just, just beautiful, beautiful engineering. Uh, they, 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 I think it was a 1970s LCD, but I'm, I'm not sure. Mm. They, they, they stole this off of the TGV, though. The Belize signaling system, which the, the French had invented for that, we just kind of stole. This was actually something which um, I mentioned before the Pennsylvania Railroad, too cheap to install speedometers. But they did install cab signals on their locomotives, even like the steam locomotives. You know, so you got this... That's handy, yeah. You have like this contrast between incredibly high tech machinery for like the 1940s and just, no, you don't need a speedometer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the only downside is that you, you have cab signaling, that's very good, but you have to use it to read the Pennsylvania Railroad's incomprehensible signals. It's like, why, does, why is this line? <laughs> why, why is it diagonal now? It's Vertical is clear. Diagonal is approach, horizontal is stop. This is not hard, Alice. <laughs> it's pretty hard. Not that hard, Alice. <laughs> it's pretty hard when you start complicating it with like approach slow and approach medium. Okay, and yeah, shit. I don't understand any of those now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then they installed some systems to ensure that if the tilt system failed, it failed in the upright position. That was the problem they had with a test train, is sometimes the tilt system would fail while it was tilted nine degrees in one way, which is not good if you're going around a curve, which is the opposite way. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember reading about them having to drive it back at like three miles an hour because the tilt system kept failing in the direction you didn't want it to. <laughs> Uh, and and so it would just like slump over to one Whoa. side. <laughs> just gonna take a nap. <laughs> so an, another thing is, I believe these were the first uh, all aluminum cars in Britain, and of course it's designed largely by ex aerospace engineers, largely in an aerospace fashion, right? Mm-hmm. These, this being the nineteen seventies, some of these aerospace engineers, being British, would have worked on the comet. Huh? I believe so. Well, you can see that it has large square windows, which, as we know, uh, nothing bad happens. Ah, oh, that's true. Yeah. So the initial idea was they would buy ten trains, ten of these prototype trains, and you know they'd run that in regular service for a while, work all of the bugs out, and then this would be followed by something called the APTS. The S stands for Squadron. That would be like a, a 50, 60 train order. This is the APTP for prototype, right? Uh, they probably, were they going to name them after like Air Force squadrons? Because they did that with the Deltics. They named them after army regiments. So that would make sense. It would make sense. You get like a, a named train that's like 617 squadron or something. I kind of like that. <laughs> I do like that, yeah. yeah. But, um, but now we have to talk about British Rail Engineering Limited. Brell. Yes. Note this U.S. standard light rail vehicle sitting outside um, the, uh, the 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 old Brel uh, factory because apparently they were going to use this on the Manchester tramway, and they imported it from America, and they realized it was just as shit of a car in Britain as it was in America. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> doesn't work in San Francisco. Doesn't work in Boston. Doesn't work in Manchester. Uh, <laughs> God, everything about this picture is so sad. Why does the crane have, by my count, three miscellaneous tarps hanging off it? Sometimes why, it gets cold. Why? Why is there a Nissan Micra? Why? Why is there a oh, bike man. shed with one bike? Uh, it's just. It looks like Britain to me. Yeah, there's so you just breathe it in off of this image. Yeah. So. British Rail Engineering Limited, they were based in a big workshop in uh, Derby, right? This is where they built the um, mm. oh, they built the experimental train here and the prototype trains here, right? And um, British Rail Engineering very much kept alive the historic uh, man-in-a-shed uh, lineage of British engineering, right? Yeah. For sure. This is 20 guys all named <laughs> Stan who have, like, uh, collectively about 50 pencils stuck behind each ear, uh, because they keep putting them up there and then forgetting them. Oh yeah, every, every single one of them has a troubled marriage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're given these plans for the APTP, right, which is designed by aerospace engineers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're just. Do you remember that old, old meme where it's the guy just staring, and it's like, "Are you a wizard?" <laughs> I, I feel like that's how these plans got received. They had to learn a lot of new techniques, like aluminum welding. If you ever welded aluminum, it's a pain in the ass, um, mm. right? And they had to. Uh, and, and one of the things is, it was a tradition. You know, a lot of the times. The shop floor would kind of, you know, they'd make alterations to designs based on previous experience. <laughs> yeah, because Stan knows that it's one RCH over where it should be, and so he'll just plane that down. Yeah, That's exactly. Fine. So, you know, they did. They made a lot of modifications to the design of their own abolition and never really told the design team. 
No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. Again, it's more, fine. This is this is more workerism. Yes, we're not allowing absolutely. ourselves to be managed. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, fuck a professional managerial class that's trying to get me to learn how to weld yeah. aluminum. Also, did you say they did it on their own abolition there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 not as funny as a neck. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. I I don't know. I I. It's own volition there, bud. Uh, well, no. mm. All right, fine, fine. <laughs> Why is everything in this picture grey, including the plants? Why do you think? Because it's in Britain. You live there. <laughs> it's your country. Look, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's just—it's more of an existential <laughs> question. Yeah, it's—it's right? it's when you see it all at once like this, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just, you don't need the outside view. Just, you don't just, need to see it in the round. Just just the fact of the rust and the micra and the fact that also like <laughs> yeah. this is also clearly a bit of train, a bit of track where like they haven't been tending to like you can see even there's some dis <laughs> like disused below the fence there. Um like there's a disused something. It just it feels like a society in decline. Yeah. See the you see the windows that have been boarded up with blue back here, <laughs> and if the, if the car the other problem is the car is still clearly functional, so it's not as though this is a place that's been abandoned. This is what a no. working place looks like. <laughs> this is not a place of honor. No great deeds are commemorated. Here. Well, no, we're commemorating some great deeds. Let's commemorate the great deeds. But that's true. Yeah, we, we we are commemorating them building this space age piece of technology. Uh, with a bunch of like Yorkshiremen wearing overalls. Oh, oh! Speaking of, I just remembered. Remember how I, I talked about in the seven thirty seven episode how Boeing made one train and it was crap. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It was this. It was this one here. Yeah, it was this right here. Although we got yelled at for that being a PRT erasure. That's not a fucking train. It's PRT. <laughs> no, they also manufactured <laughs> yeah. a, uh, a a a subway car for the uh, Chicago L. For Chicago, right? Yeah. Yeah, which was actually okay, I think. Thanks, Jeremy, for teaching me about that. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> anyway, the um the, the 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 situation here is you have a bunch of guys in a shed with hammers trying to build the most advanced passenger train in the world. <laughs> Did they do it? Also, just as it. Also, additionally, the most advanced passenger train in the world that has like multiple different interacting fluid systems and <laughs> engines yeah. in the middle of it, a twenty-four thousand volt cable down the floor. Like, I cannot, I cannot emphasize to you how many have separate the 24, points. Twenty-four thousand volt cable. That was okay. the whole reason for the center right. power cars. Yeah. Cowards. Sure. I, I forgot <laughs> yeah. about that. They had something even weirder. They're <laughs> just like, oh yeah, by the way, don't forget, there's a hydraulic braking system. Yeah, you're going to have to add a turbine uh, to this as well. Um, don't worry about it, though. If you get it wrong, it just accordions into like a, a, like a, like a, like yeah. a foot-long um, sandwich of steel my, and my, my favorite, My favorite detail of the gulf between design and outcome in this train is something that I learned from the train simulated DLC of it, which is, I think, seriously very good value for money because it models all of the dismal sort of like horrifying cracked plastic aspects. <laughs> and my favorite part of this is this is this is documented too. This is backed up. Is that above the little 1970s LED <laughs> that tells you what the speed was? There was just the maximum speed of 125 miles an hour, dimo taped onto the dashboard. Love it. And that yes. <laughs> That's that's the single greatest part of this thing for me. It's just a guy, yeah, a guy just taped that on there. Well, I believe the intention was they would eventually remove it once they worked all the bugs out, and it could go as fast as it was supposed mm -hmm. to go. 
We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Still in alpha. <laughs> this is supposed to be the beta train. The alpha train we looked at before. Oh, whatever, man. Basically still in alpha. Steam early access, really. <laughs> but as a result of all these problems, it took a long time to build the train. And uh, then stuff got worse. Mm. So the APTP project, right, was moved from research, uh, the research department of British Rail, to the Chief Mechanical and Electrical Engineering Department, right? Oh, we're going to do some more workerism. Uh, We've taken it away from lab coats and given it to... Well, the thing is, lots of British rail engineers thought the uh, the APT was a waste of time and resources, right? A fancy lab coat train. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a bunch of aerospace engineers trying to muscle in on railway engineering territories. Those bastards. <laughs> So as, as a result, the APT team was hated by everyone else at uh, CM and EE, right? You know, there's, there's stories of them being forced to, like, since, since the office bathrooms were outside the APT offices and in one of, like, the railway engineering offices, essentially they were forced to use the bathroom on the other side of the building. <laughs> <laughs> Only Britain could invent a kind of racism against train engineers. I like that really low-level hazing, yeah. It was a racism by train engineers against aerospace engineers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the project delays start to stack up, and the rest of- Yeah, because they had to run across the fucking building every time they wanted to miss. <laughs> And then the rest of British Rail wants an alternative to the advanced passenger train, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, which leads us to, of course, the Intercity 125. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, it was fun watching this get eulogized by first on their, like, retirement run of it. Uh, where it went up and down the country and everyone like commemorated it and said how nice it was instead of remembering it as it should be as the fucking murderous <laughs> assassin. <laughs> Of the of the delightful innocent APT, aren't they still in use? Yes, yes, but this one train company retired them, and because that they, they, that was the last time they were going to use it on, I think the East Coast Main Line. Ah, uh, okay. They made a whole thing of it, uh, but yeah, they're still in use. You can still see them in uh, like Wales, I think, on the Midland Main Line too. So I, th I thought it was like the actual last run. I didn't know it was a fake last run. No, 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 no. They, they, they made it. They made it up like that. But yeah, no, it's it's not the last uh, one at all. Wow, a private company lied for publicity. <laughs> Who would have thought it? <laughs> so, all right. So the inner city one two five. So the class fifty five Deltics, which we mentioned earlier, they were very fast, but they were also showing their age by this time, right? And the the advanced passenger train turned out since it was electric, they weren't going to be able to replace them with that. Mm. It's ironic that uh, the Deltics were also made by aerospace engineers. Like, maybe there's a lesson there about letting plane guys design trains, is that they're actually quite good at it, sometimes, once you let them work the kinks out. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, once, once you work the bugs out. Anyway, the British Rail Board wanted something to replace them quickly, right? So they basically say to, you know, the, the CM and EE department, look, give us your dumbest, give us the dumbest and fastest thing you can. Oh, right. hell yeah. I love that <laughs> shit. <laughs> this is replacing your, like, beautiful, long-in-the-works hypercar, your Bugatti or whatever, with, like, a Shelby Cobra. Yes. I'm sorry, why are you insulting <laughs> the Shelby like... Cobra? What? Uh, uh, you want to oh, fight? I'm, I'm you not fight? saying this is I will come over the Atlantic, I, and I will take your ass. For daring to insult America. To be clear. Oh, look at us. We're VW Group, and we can spend more money than anyone building a car. <laughs> Aren't we so special? Man, 
Yeah, McLaren did it for fucking cheaper. <laughs> okay, before 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 it gets to Ford versus Ferrari in here, <laughs> to be clear, I do think that the idea of just stick a gigantic bunch of diesel engines in something and like throw it down the track is very good. Thank you. It's very Thank funny. <laughs> I just w- I just would prefer the finicky European style uh, has eight different kinds of hydraulics in it. Try- I don't know why I'm insulting you, considering I drive a German car. But there you are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll get you like that. Um, the Inner City One Two Five or the Class Forty Three, right? Um, you know, it's it's a regular locomotive. It's streamlined on one end. It has diesel engines. It ran. It, it used conventional Mark Three coaches. Right, so they can be used on any train. Um, mm-hmm. It hit 143 miles per hour in June of 1973, right, which is three years before the H- the, the APT was scheduled to be delivered, um, and it could regularly achieve 125 miles an hour in regular service, right? Yeah, and and British Rail loved this because it was a PR coup. Like you saw all of the adverts that they made. They made one where they painted up uh, a Deltic in police livery and had it pull over the the one two five for speeding oh yeah that's a good <laughs> one <laughs> they, 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 anyway this was this was great for british rail because they could finally try to like shake off the kind of reputation of being like this moribund slow failure because they had this train that was actually quite fast it was very fast it was very good it could be used anywhere in the system so you know when they were doing track work and you were diverted onto the settle in carlisle you know, you, you didn't have to be hauled by like a tiny shunner engine for 60 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, it had very light axle loading, so it had higher top speeds and better acceleration, and therefore faster schedules even on slow railways, right? And it was a massive and absurd success. It was great. It's a great train. It's very, very good. Um, and I think it's the world's fastest diesel locomotive to this day. Yeah. Yes, because only Britain would produce something that that combination of stupidity. <laughs> yes, <laughs> where you have to have to have something extremely fast, but also it's just a diesel. Yeah, exactly. Give, so yeah, give us the dumbest and fastest thing you have. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so wait, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So a bunch of guys in a shed received mm-hmm. some plans for this. Yeah, and then they just kind of played some jazz. And invented their own plans and built it in a shed. Yes. And it has all of those many interlocking bizarre sounding systems, like the the, the water brakes and the middle engine car. This did not have those. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. This just worked like a regular train. Got you. Except it's going very fast. Doesn't tilt, yeah. doesn't do anything okay. like that. It, it just, it's, it, yeah. I, I was I was momentarily confused. No, this just has a big diesel engine and go fast. This is just a this is just a this is just a train that goes fast. It's, yeah, it's a muscle train. <laughs> it's a muscle train, yeah. <laughs> so right now, so we are we are awaiting the um the, the very strange yeah. train. So yes. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, once the inner city one two five is put in service. Um, the APTP was still said to be three years away, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Any day now. Give us Half-Life 3. Okay, yes. As mm-hmm. a result, uh, British Rail decides to cut the APT order from ten train sets to three, right? Meaning that even once they were delivered, it wouldn't be like a regular service train, it would still be kind of an experimental thing, right? So Bastards. Yeah. So anyway, they want it, they want it delivered in 1976. 
Um, well, the first one was delivered in 1979. That's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. Is that Glasgow Central? I, I think it is, yeah. I think it might be. Yeah, this is yeah. looking real pixelated. It's just, man, that is, that is one late 70s looking train. I kind of like it. I, I, I really like it. Yeah, I think, it, I, think it, I think it's a sexy train. I'm not saying that in a bad way. It just, it looks it is some, like... It is a white shoes ass fucking disco blazer ass train. Like, I know I've used key party already, but this is a train that comes to your house and just <laughs> instinctively puts its keys in a glass bowl and then is like, oh, 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 just dinner. Okay. And then puts them <laughs> in a normal bowl. <laughs> yeah. This is a train. This is a train that has like not only has been made into a jello mold, you can be served a jello mold on it. <laughs> in two cars. But like it's a main dish for some reason. All right, so the first train set was completed in May of 1979. In testing, they set a speed record of 162.2 miles an hour, right? Which would not be bested in Britain until HS1 was completed. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so it was. It worked excellently. Okay, sorry. Now I'm going to say that bit I said earlier. The guys in the shed just reinterpreting a design they were given with a bunch of complex interacting systems, and they were just like, yeah, I'm going to kind of go my own way with this. It actually it, it worked it, well. It, it worked pretty well some of the time. <laughs> okay, okay. 60% okay. of the time, it works all the time. Yes, This you. is the most British outcome, is that you give a bunch of like incredibly complicated plans to Stan and his mate, and they work it out, and they build it, and it sort of works. That That is the most British outcome. Okay, so, um, now shortly after this, uh, the APT team, which was sort of its own unit inside the uh, Chief Mechanical and Electrical Engineering Department, were completely disbanded. Oh. And the responsibility was spread out entire, uh, over the, the entire uh, CM and EE department, right? Which hated this. Yeah, so they hated it, yeah, and you know, all the aerospace engineers are now interacting with angry railway engineers um, instead of their own team. Cool. There's extensive testing for a while, and the engineering staff solve a lot of problems with the train, which, you know, were happening. And um, the first official run in service with passengers was on the 7th of December, 1981, from Glasgow to London, right? Mm -hmm. And they had been trailing this for years, right? Like They'd been advertising that they had... They were going to bring in this super fast train by 1976, right? Almost. <laughs> Only five years late. Um, so yeah. the British Rail invited the press aboard, which is a terrible decision. You should never invite the British press anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are only allowed to look at the train from yeah. the outside. No one's allowed to ride the train. <laughs> yeah. right? If you if you've yeah, ever even seen a tabloid, you should not be on this train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ta Taki came on. Taki came on, and he kept on. He kept on saying, "Hmm, yes, I bet this will run on time." <laughs> what we need is we need the like comical union thugs from earlier oh, to yeah. just like muscle a bunch of journalists <laughs> off this and throw them onto the platforms. What just, just what just like um like some so broadsheet journalist comes on about to be all snarky and then just pow gets hit with the seltzer. <laughs> yes, just right in the kisser. Just just pss, right 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 from a right from a from a lapel flower. Just bam seltzer. <laughs> so this yeah this first run. They achieve it in just an absurd time, right? Four hours and 15 minutes compared to the normal five hours. 
You can't do that now. Yeah. Barely. 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 If you get the expensive train, uh, I understand you can, but, mm -hmm. um, but instead of focusing on how quick the train got to its destination, the press focused instead on how the the tilt system made him feel seasick. Aw, oh, poor baby. <laughs> this is like the extremely fast train. And then and then one of the stewardesses, uh, you know, uh, said the solution, you know, to your seasickness was like, uh, just stand with your feet apart, right? Extremely practical woman. <laughs> yeah, and, and the press really latched onto that, too. <laughs> She's fucking right, though. I mean... Like, oh, is, is poor baby having trouble writing his racist articles? Who's a, who's a good journalist? The British rail engineers uh, countered by saying the uh, press had, you know, they just, they boozed up too much because the Br British rail was giving them free alcohol, right? <laughs> true. 100% true. Believe it instinctively. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're bringing you on a high-speed train. They're giving you free booze. And you're like, yeah, all, all you can think of is... Is is writing mean things about them? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. What, wow. What? 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 This train. You know, the tilt system feels a lot like the room spinning. Uh, don't don't know what's up with that. Uh, see, this this tilt system is the scariest thing that's ever happened. Uh, the only thing I could imagine that would be scarier would be if a bunch of people spoonerized <laughs> my name or the name of one of my colleagues in the future. Anyway, I, I, we were yeah. just getting into Carlisle, and I was on my seventh martini <laughs> when. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, this this seems like a poor decision on British Rail's part, but you have to understand, the British man of the early 1980s, it, if there wasn't an open bar available at a place, would just begin to <laughs> wreck it physically with his hands. On the on the way on the return trip the next day, one of the cars got stuck in a tilted position, right? Sure, we'll never hear the end of that. It's fine. Just just lean. Just lean. Uh, it's uh it's it the, the, the train prefigured Lil <laughs> Pump. <laughs> just doing a gangster lean. Yeah, it's, uh, we are we are we are on a, the express service to Molly via Percocet. <laughs> you know, one of the problems with this train was they were they were uh, they debuted it early, uh, earlier than a lot of the folks doing the test said they should have, and um, that meant they debuted in the middle of December, right? I said December 1981, right? Which was a particularly yeah. aggressively cold winter. Mm. And you're running it all the way up to Glasgow, yes. too. Uh, I live, for the record, in Glasgow. It is currently the end of January, and it's freezing cold here. I hate it. It's terrible. <laughs> Subscribe to the Patreon so I can move somewhere nice. So, uh, two, days, uh, two days after the first incident where one of the cars got stuck, uh, the hydrokinetic braking system froze on an in-service train. Just froze solid. Mm. And it had to end its run early, right? Another problem was that the speed was limited to 125 miles an hour, owing to the sticker they put in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. load-bearing sticker. Instead of the 155 <laughs> miles an hour, because, you know, it's it has its tilting function, but it's still operating in mixed traffic, right? You know, it's still going to get stuck behind a freight train or something. Yeah. Just 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 drive through it. That's fine. You just go <laughs> just, just ram it. It's, it's only hauling, like, several thousand tons of coal. It's fine. And then they also found out, after they debuted the trains let's say one train got a car stuck in the tilting position inward towards the other track and another train coming the other way also had a car stuck in the tilting position also inward right these two trains would hit each other if they passed in certain places <laughs> on the network it's fine added element of danger makes it that much more fun it tilted slightly out of the dynamic envelope uh which was not something it should have done 
right? So there was there was a risk of trains wrecking into each other if the tilt mechanism got stuck. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, wait, what? So they'd like that the corner would just be like hanging over the train going the other direction yes. and it would just fucking clip it? Yes. Yeah, just oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, just peel two cars open like the eleven foot eight bridge. <laughs> oh no! Oh shit! And and this is the bit where we remember it was just assembled by a bunch of guys who were eyeballing the measurements. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me- measure twice, cut once. Uh, yeah. Now British Rail wanted some good publicity for the train, you know, early on, so they hired um the guy from Blue Peter, which I guess is a children's show. <laughs> Okay. Yes, it is. It, it, it's a children's show where, like, you, like, presenters would do stuff to learn about the world. <laughs> so, like, they, I don't know, they go on the like Marines, uh, like assault course or something, or uh, you know, things like that. And yeah. So uh, they hired they hired uh, uh, Peter Purves. Purvis. Mm-hmm. Peter Purvis. I I don't live in your country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, Br- Br- British TV in the eighties was bad for sex criminals, but it wasn't that okay, bad. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, not, not, yeah. I thought it was just the politicians who did that. Um. <laughs> oh no, it was everyone. Yeah, J- Justin, not familiar with the life and times of Ooh. Jimmy Savile. There. Ooh my. So uh, I don't have this footage, unfortunately, because I don't want to get copyright strikes. Um, if you go to yeah. There's a guy with the YouTube channel called Mustard, also has a video on this train, <laughs> uh, which is much shorter than this one. If you go to my Twitch and follow me on Twitch, uh, my follow notification is the video <laughs> from this, because it's by now public domain. Uh, Purvis uh, said, Smooth, it's quiet, and an altogether delightful experience. It's smooth, it's quiet, and an altogether delightful experience. But... As he was saying that, the tableware on the table in front of him in the, in the restaurant car was visibly rattling, and you could hear it. It was on the audio, <laughs> right? Which is something which is strange to me as an American, because every train does that here. That's a train! <laughs> That's just what a train <laughs> yeah. does! And like, also, it, there's, of course there's going to be a difference in what a boom mic for a TV crew records than what you notice with your fragile human ears. <laughs> I mean, you could like see like the coffee was going to spill out of the coffee cup is the thing. Oh, yeah. well that's, that's fine though. That's character building. So anyway, they got enough bad publicity from the British press that the trains were removed from service at the end of the month. Uh, right? <laughs> I think they lasted in service for all of, uh, all of like 30 or 40 days. Oh, fucking, fucking, I hate the British press, I hate them so much. They just, the enemy of anything that might be interesting (laughs) in this country. Alright, so here's here's an example of like, this is from- Fucking private eye. It's just smug- Private eye has always sucked. Smug fucking public school- Dickheads. These are the same. These are the same people that always like reacted with irrational anger anytime they saw Mark Fisher <laughs> write anything. So it is unsurprising to me that they they didn't <laughs> like this thing that attempted to invent the future because it's trying to be smart, right? And the like, the, the part of the British public school psychosis is that you have to hide <laughs> any talent or innovation <laughs> under a bushel for fear of vicious bullying. And you can either get good at bullying or you can get good at hiding or both, but you cannot ever do anything new and the and, o- and the only people who are allowed to do anything new or seem smart are the people who can point to the educational credentials that they have 
Yes. Um, and, so- and, and British Rail was a bunch of guys named Stan who were all wearing overalls and as such was always going to be a hate figure for these pricks. So yeah, in, in, in our case, of course, they're, you know, they're saying, welcome aboard the APT, stopping for repairs at Penrith Crew, Glasgow Penrith Crew. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, waiter, have you seen my sausage roll? Yes, sir. It's in the tilt mechanism. <laughs> it's in, it's in yeah. the way they tell them. Doesn't even make doesn't even make sense. It's in the tilt mechanism. How would the sausage <laughs> roll get in the tilt mechanism? No, because the sausage it's like a sausage that is rolling. I, because... I stuck my dick in the tilt mechanism. Excuse me, conductor. The tilt mechanism. It would be it would be funnier if we just gave it to Zoomers and it would just be like the tilt mechanism. This tilt mechanism full of beans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so now British Rail goes into damage control mode, right? The most dangerous <laughs> part of any yeah. story. So they hire some consultants to restructure the project, and they said, you know, maybe this part where you disbanded the whole APT team was a bad idea. The, the, the CM and E had so thoroughly balkanized the team that no one could work together on anything to solve any problem on the train. They were all just you know, hurling Balkan YouTube comments at each other. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they had given each of the, like, engineers a different Balkan citizenship assigned at random, and they were just, like, overcome by, like, blood feuds immediately. There's also an investigation of the tilting me- mechanism, right? Why were riders feeling seasick on these trains? Because they're cowards. They're drunks. Partially, and partially, but... The other problem was there was a delayed reaction to the tilt system, right? So it started tilting only slightly after it came into the curve. Ah. Which they figured out how to solve real easy. They just moved the sensors up one car. Oh, do it. Right? <laughs> that was real easy, right? But the other problem was it turned out the tilt system worked too well. It completely <laughs> canceled out any feeling of changing directions. <laughs> I mean, that's that's cool. I love to like go on a space flight from Glasgow to London. So there was no sort of sensation of turning that you felt, you know, physically, but you could see that you were turning out the window, right? Just just remove the windows. Problem solved. Well, they found out something simpler. If you just reduce ah. the tilt slightly, it completely eliminated seasickness. <laughs> oh, we just flipped the seasickness switch to off. Yes. Okay. Why do we even have this switch, and why does it have an on? So, you know, that was, that was a trivial easy, easy solution, but while investigating this, they learned something new, right? So they found out that the last study that produced uh, data on lateral forces on trains, you know, which is what we call camp deficiency, right? Um, that's, that's when I try to speak Cockney. <laughs> The whole and, and this was the study that the whole project was based on, you know, the fundamental assumptions. That study was conducted in 1949 with a tank engine on a branch line in North Wales. <laughs> okay. All, all of the information that this high-tech train was based on was essentially recorded by Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they conducted a new study with, with, you know, better equipment in 1983. And that suggested instead of the nine degrees of tilt, which they had engineered this train around, they could have gotten away with six degrees, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they should have gone up. Go more. Go to 20. And, and six degrees is well within the margin where you can tilt the track instead of the train, mm. which is a lot less mm. complicated than, than this. this and, and you can use your dumb muscle car. 
which you've already d- decided to yes. build. <laughs> yeah, you, you can still do so, donuts on the West Coast Main Line. <laughs> so at this point, at this point, we have what like fourteen different interacting. Do you know what this is? This is the Americans spending four million dollars design, designing a pen that writes in space, and the Russians sending uh, using a pencil. Yes, that's kind exactly of. what this do is. Both in the yeah. same country. To though. be fair, that never happened. <laughs> that's true. I get, welcome to Britain. <laughs> <laughs> we are truly, truly, and I mean this not just as a cliche, a land of contrasts. Uh, the Br- British Rail, uh, always a socialist institution, so ruthlessly committed to dialectics that it, it was constantly at war with itself uh, to try to produce some hoped for synthesis. So, um. The last days of the APT, right? Aww. It looks so sad. I mean, it's kind of a sad ending. I mean, at, problems with the trains were slowly corrected, and the trains actually found their way into regular service on the West Coast Main Line as relief trains, right? Uh, in 1984. Mm. Your, your dumb muscle car breaks down, and you get this instead. Yeah, exactly. You get, you get your fancy European uh, you know, mid-engine car. That's so backwards. This is actually probably the only mid-engine train uh, ever built. <laughs> 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 that's that's good though. It gives you a, like a, a good center of gravity. It's fine. Yeah, but the thing is that although they had worked out most of the bugs and these turned these few train sets turned out to be fairly reliable in the end, the damage was done. Right, the press were still hounding British Rail to take them out of service, and British Rail relented <sighs> in 1985. Cowards. The trains restored. Two were scrapped. One is preserved at uh, the museum in Crewe, and that and that's it. That's that's so sad. That's not quite it. Oh, almost okay. it. Go almost on. it. So you know the legacy of the APTP is we we usually think this is a dumb and embarrassing project. It's the failure of management as opposed to engineering, and no one gave it a chance. Right? Yeah, I I, I don't agree that it's dumb. More embarrassing. I I I, I want to save the reputation of this weird idiosyncratic train that was never allowed to to be a success because the british press hates the concept of joy <laughs> uh it just just a like everything that wants to keep this country dismal and uninventive and parochial uh one out british rail let themselves be bullied they never should have been and i think the thing that is worst of all is the lack of sentimentality right like when when they pulled this, it was just gone. We talked about the Star Class locomotives that the, were the ones that British Rail were building at the very end of steam locomotives. Yeah. Those they preserved. They preserved those impeccably. They called the last one they made Evening Star. They gave it a special name and like a special send off and everything. And with this, it just, just it didn't bother. It was like this shameful sort of reject, and that's that's really sad. And I I I I, I find myself identifying with the dumb train because I take estrogen, and it has done this to my brain, and now I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing because Britain is a country that just that lives permanently in its own past, mm-hmm. which is why the thing that was trying to be new. Yes. is brutally mocked and murdered for being new, even if, as I sort of had mentioned earlier, it was kind of funny how it was conceived and massively yes. over-engineered and stuff. Yeah, of course. But what they hated was the fact that it was pretending above its station as opposed <laughs> to... Literally. Yeah, uh, as opposed to um, just having the right kind of nostalgia for the age of steam when Britain was great or whatever, because basically ever since like 1950, Britain has largely accepted that it's a 
idea whose time long ago came and that that anything that is British should fit this narrative that this is a decaying and declining society and <laughs> we don't and new things are not worthwhile here. Mm, yeah, we are we are an entire country built on that uh you know n- nothing valued is here <laughs> thing. Yeah, Britain Britain was Britain essentially has to be seen as a museum that got a renovation in the early 2000s and became mostly gift shop <laughs> and now has largely fallen into disrepair. Okay, so Riley, Riley, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to do this one, the one time where I'm actually right on a podcast that does not overlap 100% with Trash Future, just to frustrate <laughs> people who only listen to one and not the other, is this hauntology. Yes, it is. Awesome. Finally, we got there in the end. And in fact, what this is, this is a direct comparison between hauntology and nostalgia. Because mm. hauntology is the opposite of nostalgia. Hauntology is, uh, I, I'm going to massively oversimplify this for the purposes of the fact that we're an hour and 40 yeah. minutes into this podcast, but hauntology is basically the ghosts of lost futures. So if you think about, um, okay, think about this. Uh, the All of the, the tram tracks that used to exist in American cities which heralded this potential future of free or near free, very accessible public transportation for everyone that were ripped up to make way for these atomizing, awful, polluting cars. The, the, the little remnants of the tram tracks that you can still see are hauntological because you are, there is this, there, there was this future that you can, and you can see the ghost of it mm. uh, that is now gone. Whereas nostalgia is... So it is it is projecting what could have been, whereas nostalgia is like imagining what never was. You know, imagining that the these the, the the steam train that we love because it's from when Britain was good was this wonderful thing that everyone loved that was uncontroversially great. And then we have to deal with and then the, the sort of slagging off of the time we actually tried to be inventive is and, and then remembering, you know, that we could have had faster, better trains, even though this one was admittedly quite silly, mm. is it, it, it illustrates it that first. dynamic. But yeah. It, yeah. It does get a little sillier, you know. Okay. Right, okay. So, oh, yeah, I forgot. This is a disaster podcast. <laughs> one of the things we got to remember about, you know, the, the APT is not given a chance. Now, we asked the question, were there any contemporary projects that were? In which case, we have to go where this podcast always goes. <laughs> to Canada. No. <clears throat> so, this was the light, rapid, comfortable. Um, which was Via Rail's project to build a tilting train Canada to run Canada's yeah, name. To, well, because it had to work in French as well. Yeah, mm. to be légère, rapide, et confortable. Yes. So um, this this went between Quebec City and Windsor. Um, it achieved 130 miles an hour. It had all the same problems as the APT in that you know the tilting mechanism got stuck. There's a lot of bad press. It broke down a lot when it first entered service, and they fixed all those problems. Yeah, but the Canadian press, <laughs> the Canadian press are pussies, so you can just ignore them. Well, like, what are they, they going to do? Write something in the Toronto uh, Bear about Stark. how? Whatever. They're all they're all owned by the Irvings anyway. Yeah. Oh, I, I I stabbed a raccoon to death in my backyard, and it made me think that this train isn't so good. Whatever, dude. Fuck yeah, off. Yeah, what is it? Jo- Canadian Jolly and Mom. Yeah. So the um. Uh, you know, these were these problems were all eventually solved, and the the LRCs remained in service until two thousand and three. And you know, after they were taken out of service, I don't believe 
you can achieve the same speeds on the via rail corridor anymore just because they still they don't use the locomotives they still use the passenger cars because you know every via rail corridor train is this sort of frankenstein of <laughs> like 12 different car designs it's 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 absurd i i love to get the one car that tilts still yeah. <laughs> So the um and the other thing is that the the APT power car basically what they did was they gave it a cab and um mm -hmm. they called it the class 91 I think I think so it's it, it's it's an intercity 225 <laughs> yeah. to me uh but yeah they they gave it a cab and then they also made a DVT a driving van trailed so you could have one at both yeah. ends and then not have like a power car in the middle anymore uh and this was like Having a slightly better muscle car, I guess. Yeah, but it's it's essentially it's a lot of the same technology as from the APTP. It still has like, for instance, the body-mounted traction motors, so you know that reduces the unsprung weight. Um, you know they 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 adapted a lot of the technology from the APT to build this. Just this is the electric muscle car, as opposed to the <laughs> diesel one. And then of course, the thing is, what makes it worst, I guess bring it back around <laughs> to the hauntology, uh, you know, Ghost of the Lost Futures. Well, British Rail sold the patents to the tilting train mechanism to Fiat. Oh, Jesus. Fiat Ferroviaro. Oh, the Pendolino. Yeah. Always reminds me of the Canyonero. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they bought the APT patents, they came up with their own tilting train, and then they sold it back to the British to run <laughs> on... The West Coast Main Line. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the form of Virgin Trains mostly, which like no longer exists because we <laughs> took away their license because they were terrible. Proud of you. Yeah. And, the, um, and the trip, and, and this has managed to make the trip from uh, Glasgow to London in three hours and 55 minutes, right? Bitch, when? <laughs> Never. <laughs> they did it once in 2006, I believe. I, I, I don't believe that <laughs> for a second. Uh, that, no. Still three minutes slower than the APTP managed in 1984. Yeah, because Richard Richard Branson needed to take that uh, extra three minutes to line his own pockets. <laughs> you, you know, it's you know, it's really funny about the Pendolino. What riding it makes me feel sick. <laughs> <laughs> that is genuinely yeah. true. I like last time I got a train from between London and Glasgow. I was I was like looking out the window and I was getting genuinely nauseous on one of these. Oh God! Yeah, it rules. And that run with the APTP that was the record run, which stands to this day, included being stopped at a signal for five minutes. Because <laughs> the signal broke. <laughs> that really is just, that's a perfect synecdoche. It's a perfect thing of the part standing in for the whole, for how the APTP went. <laughs> it was just, you try to, you, you build this beautiful, weird, stupid train, and you throw it onto this infrastructure that is just held together with, like, tape. <laughs> and, it's, and it still works better than anything we have now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, like I'm, I'm looking at the styling of of the Pendolino, which is like, oh, it's very modern, it's very aerospace, and it looks like a car with the big like headlight clusters. And I'm like, no, I, I preferred the Disco Blazer train. Yes, give me that back. Give me the thing that was just like a wedge. Uh, it, it, it feels more honest somehow. Yeah, I, I, the APT looks very, very good, and this looks like it, it looks, it looks like a car. It looks like a. It looks closer to the Nissan Micra parked outside 
British Rail Engineering Limited. It looks like an uh, it looks like an appliance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just look at this and I think of manuals. Yep. Uh, but uh, that's the story of the mm-hmm. APT, and and mm-hmm. how try as we might, we can't do as good as a bunch of guys with hammers <laughs> in a shed at British yes. Rail Engineering Limited. Yes. The, the, this <laughs> is a sort of backhanded tribute to the heroic actions of Stan, who keeps losing pencils, uh, <laughs> and who made the, the fastest passenger train in Britain. So that's the episode, and of course next week we will be doing the Tacoma Narrows Bridge Collapse. Redoing it this far. Yeah, re- yeah, redoing, of course. Yeah. Now, for some we're gonna, reason, we're going to nail it this time. Overconfident. Yes. Well, some of the same uh, hunting oscillation uh, forces were at work on this one, so that's a good tie. Hey. Um, huh. Anyway, I, I like it when you do those sort of the through lines. It's very good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, there's actually. Uh, well, there's your problem. Actually, has an alternate <laughs> reality game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go, go back and hunt you... through all of the old episodes. Listen to 15 hours of of podcast to find it. There's actually an alternate reality game where we concentrate all the fans in one structure and, and it falls down. <laughs> I'm, the parody. So, uh, it's the the ARG is take every <laughs> take the first letter of every sentence Liam has said on. The show and then unscramble the letters and you'll find a secret message that leads you to a hidden bonus episode. Good luck, you fuckers. Why are most of the letters F? <laughs> you know why. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> no, he's talking about Oval Maltine, the delicious Swiss beverage. Oh, Riley, you didn't even get to talk about the Retishaban in this one. Uh, can I come back on and talk yes, about the we'll Retishaban, which is yeah, my sure. Yes, excellent. There's no engineering disaster that's ever happened with it. It's just a really good yeah. train. That's fine. We'll, we'll find we'll find yeah, a we'll Swiss, find a Swiss one. one. Um, it's got like if, if I, like, I'm just gonna say briefly what I like about it is that it 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 plies the um it plies from like uh, the the entire Angadine Valley, my favorite route, and the the route in the Angadine goes like. For, through like like I I get you get on it like Landquart if you're going from Zurich, which is like this like tiny town, but then it winds through this beautiful river valley that goes through like Klosters and Davos and Saint Moritz and stuff. But it just has these panoramic windows because they the Swiss train designers knew that you wanted to look out the windows and see the majesty, and they fucking let you. Mm. It's like the reverse of the Adirondack where they took out the big uh, dome car, so you're going through beautiful uh, northern New York. Right, uh, upstate New York, and there's all these mountains and beautiful fall colors, and you're looking at it through a Amfleet car window the size of the postage stamp. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ra- the railroad car and the railroad experience as like a, a, a cipher for talking about joy and why the forces of capital hate joy and <laughs> yes. don't want us to have it. Um. All right. Uh, I have to pee. So, does anyone have any commercials before we go? Mm, listen to Trash Future. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. <laughs> Give it a go. Why yeah. not? Follow, follow Liam on what Twitter. Do you, what, do you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you have to lose? Uh, I guess continue to get real mad uh, about shit that doesn't matter. And then, I don't know, continue to be gross and transphobic in our YouTube comments. Because that's, cause that's yeah, fucking please lovely. Do. I love yeah. that. Don't fucking yeah. do that, folks. And, uh, yeah. Check out check out Justin's other channel. Do not eat, or follow him on Twitter at Do Not Eat hey, One. We got it. This uh, th- then yeah, yeah when I, <laughs> I did it, and the next episode of Franklin is coming soon. He promises. Yeah, it's true. 
There. Yeah, where's the new where's the I, new I just Franklin Justin? Through that, there. Now you can go pay. All right, excellent, I, excellent. I have been I've been I've been summoned by the fans to ask you in person. When's Franklin? I, you're on the other side of the Atlantic. Leave us alone. Cut his mic. Cut his mic. <laughs> Pennsylvania has castle doctrine, Riley. That's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> Getting rolling oh, some mice. Oh. Well, th- thank you all yeah. very much for having me oh, on. I had a lovely time yeah. talking about yeah, trains We'll, we'll today. get back on for some Swiss content, yeah. for sure. Yes. Yeah. yes. Assuming we can find an engineering disaster that happened in Switzerland. I'm sure we I can. Mean, you can. Yeah, you can. Do yeah. a bonus episode about how good yeah, like Switzerland is. There's breaks there. And everyone has um, guns. I'm pretty, I'm yeah. pretty oh, certain God. the Air Force, the U.S. Air Force, flew a plane into like a cable car one they time. They did do that, oh. yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there we go. That's the Switzerland episode. Uh, oh American, my. Amer- American imperialism strikes again. Ah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I guess that's the episode. Uh, bye, bye, everybody. <laughs> bye. All right. Man, it really deflates it when I do your commercial for you. I was about to say, all right, uh, I'm going to stop recording and use the restroom.